Welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of mezcal, the show of textiles, marriage, collaboration, podcast, and so much more. Today we sit down with the amazing Gabriel Gilberto Velasquez Azueta of El Buo, of Tuyo, an artist, an artisan, a man who thinks about all things mezcal, but all things about creativity. We recently got to work with him on an El Buo launch Amazing mezcal from Santiago Matatlan here in Austin, Texas. We, you know, there is this concept of territorialism in mezcal. Does Mexico own it? Does the United States own it? And that's not really the question. The question is, how can we do this together? And this is something Gabriel and I sit down and chat and dive into. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Gabriel. You know, coming coming from a family in Mexico that I was able to, we travel a lot and, and not because it was just the, oh, let's go on vacations. It was uh, the duty of going and visiting my mom's family in the north part of Mexico, uh, us living in Mexico City. So that on its own opened the possibility to just uh, a wider net of colors, textures, stories, you name it, it happened. Uh, my grandfather was a charro, so the charreria and being able, no, charreria is too fancy. He had a horse and we went out in the horse. Uh, he dressed up sometimes fancier. I never did that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I was more just going out and, you know, going up the mountain in Mexico City. That sounds crazy, but they still have them. You know, it was it was another time still. Like it, there was there was little towns inside the city in so many ways, as many other bigger cities start just swallowing the 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 culture into a bigger one single sided thing. But uh, art was always around. Uh, my dad is a engineer, so I consider that a other kind of practical artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like it too. My house was built. For us, we didn't buy something pre-done. Uh, funny enough, you know, things that you start noticing when you're older, like why all my all my windows in my house are made out of, you know, 90 degree angle and, uh, you know, painted with, you know, the, the, everything was custom. Yeah. So if you go and think about that right now, like that was the, that was the initial thought of everything that I did. That's inc- yeah, it's incredible. When, when it comes, yeah, yeah. When it comes to artists, let's say, is there a particular period that you prefer stylistically, whether it's the, the Romantic period or Cubism or any of those? You know, I I have I have two very important things that happen in my life. I I am dyslexic, mm. for sure, and so reading came late. And the only fastest, best way for me to understand things was visually. So I couldn't, even if I wanted to, I couldn't read it. Yeah. And I couldn't understand it well. So since little, you like you force yourself to, to find a way to to uh, understand the world that is in front of you. Mm-hmm. And pictures was one. And then uh, cooking, you know. Oh, really. Um, at home, that was that was something that always was very permanent. My dad, my mom, uh, all my mom's family, all my dad's family, there was always some kind of ritual on cooking. So cutting and doing and touching and textures. So since I have memory, I wanted to be a painter or sculpture. Yeah. Uh, time, time passed by and that became, you know, the, the typical fight with your in your house of like, well, you, you're not going to do anything with that. So why are you going to be an artist, especially in Mexico, like that kind of careers of unless you come from a very, 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 very rich family and you're like, of course you want to be a painter. We will support you and you're in the, like that shit is not going to fly. So 
it was okay if it's not design if it's not art what else is there so there was product design there was industrial design there was uh graphic design all of this kind of new like i'm 42 yeah so it was it was the beginning of a lot of these careers to get recognized as something that you are a licenciado you are the, you have your your four-year degree on graphic what what are you doing <laughs> Like yeah. you're gonna work in a newspaper what is gonna happen like all that kind of thing was still shifting uh none of the digital i still learn probably most most of my work was silk screen oh really and, yeah and uh black and white photography wow so, so that will tell you that will tell you that will tell you the period of of work that i i enjoy the most and until now i think that's the the simplicity of silk screen the understanding of layers the uh, being able to simplify thoughts into more understandable graphics uh, concepts in mm -hmm. itself. So that's that. That will be the the graphic part of it. Um, I was lucky to be part of like the first generation of the university that I choose to uh, study is uh, in Mexico City. It's Unitec. Nothing fancy. It's like a technical university. Yeah. Um, it's still private, but not the expensive private stories that you will hear from like you know uh bigger uh universities in mexico that they're very very expensive uh this was just you know working working man university i pay it making sales screen yeah basically cool. uh, t-shirts and, and bags and dad pay for it uh a lot did of you, you, obviously a hustler and you know all of the art the, the content that you've put out is it's, it's such a wide swath of styles and different industries and stuff. I do. I am curious in terms of the other side, because I feel like they go hand in hand, but were you ever in, were you ever a musician? Did you ever play anything of that nature? Not necessarily. I, I consider myself somebody that has a good ear. I yeah. will play the piano. Uh, again, dyslexia didn't help. So you okay. have to read it and, and I will play, I will, I will memorize everything by ear and mm. kind of pass it one or two or three exams that they will make you. Uh, so that was that was interesting yeah when it, i think of inspiration a lot and, and we'll talk about kind of what inspires you now in, in covid times but just generally speaking is it music is it movies do you have a medium that truly brings you to the place where you can create you know what it was it's funny that you mentioned some some of these thoughts it's like the states the state has a different kind of socializing. Mm -hmm. That's that's clear to me. And I come from a house that is hyper social. So my mom will arrange and help and do and make every single party for anybody in the neighborhood. My house was big enough to have a, a big first floor that it was empty, kind of like bodega type mm -hmm. uh, uh, parking lot. So it was the first floor is empty. And so we could feed 200 people down there. Wow. Uh, it's like, you know, a big open space. Uh, with that comes everything that you will think of production. So from the invites to arranging, to making the things nice, to the food, to the music. So, and, and, and dancing has been a prevalence on my life. Uh, from the north side of Mexico with all the Norteños, like every single party will be just live music. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Socializing in the States is slightly different. Over there is a massive, uh, everybody on board or deal in here. Like, well, I invite you to my party. I do everything. You come and you know, you come, you eat and you leave. Yeah. Over there, like you come, you come early because we need to get this done, and then you stay late because you're gonna wash dishes with me. So it's it's a different communion. But communion with, I will say, the artistic side of it has a lot to do with the 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 communion and the 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 interaction that you have throughout the full event. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's certainly different. We're one of the things that is so admirable about agave community for one is that we all kind of welcome each other under one passion. It doesn't matter where we're from, you know, and it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are, but we all kind of come together again, you know, and I, I want to touch on one other thing before we dive into Mezcal and how probably it's changed both of our lives profoundly but the move to the states this was if i ever recall you came to teach 
In the U.S., is that why you first came in? To the States through a apprenticeship that a fabric workshop and museum in Philadelphia had. Mm. Uh, they no longer, I think, offer the same apprenticeship, but it was something so amazing. Uh, they paid for your housing. Oh, wow. Period. You know, there was a, a three month and up to a almost six months of, of apprenticeship. Um, I was able to work in the museum nine to five and the give back was that you can, you know, you're going to develop a print silk screen. Again, mm -hmm. you, know, you will develop a print in fabric. Uh, that is, that's one of the, the educational side of that museum. But the other side that they have is like, you know, it's, it was a, it is a art institution with a very, very heavyweight lineage of amazing artists. So Teresita Fernandez, Dojo Soon, like you, you just go through the names of the people that they have done collaborations and it's like, know blue chip galleries in in, uh, in chelsea right now that kind of very top 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 uh, artistry um but with that uh i came to the states and that was two was, that, so quick, was that right after you completed work at the university in yeah I, I had i had probably like a year uh with uh, my graphic design studio in mexico city okay uh, i had the graphic design studio you know since the beginning of the career uh i see it, it was more of a, of a print workshop. So silk screen, textiles, mm -hmm. uh, promotional, all that kind of stuff that is, is easy to produce when you're not knowing yet what to do. Yeah. Uh, is it easy to, to leave? Even though this program with textile and screen printing and stuff sounds incredible in the States, you know, do you when, have to when spend you, a lot of time thinking about that? Not really, because the thing is what you hear Mexico City right now being the hottest spot of art and things and amazing, that was not what it was in front of me mm. in 2004. You know, it was beginning. There was, there was some obvious changes. There was some obvious art happening. And, and there, has, there has been art happening forever. But again, it was a very specific industry. The same, the same way that is in the States. You know, over here, it's, it's just a little bit, a, a tiny bit more broad on, on how it's how is observed. In Mexico City, you know, galleries where we, like, you, you don't have a Chelsea area like you have here. Right. Uh, the museums are impressive. The, all the museums in Mexico City, the buildings are ginormous. It's mostly uh, very, very well curated. Uh, there's a lot of studies. You can go to study, uh, you know, museography and become part of this whole thing. But the, the art scene wasn't what it is here at that point. So I come to the States, I'm working and making art exclusively for six months and i was like what am i doing back there yeah like this is this is this is not what like and i was doing fine you know then like nonetheless i i i i observe and understand the privilege that i have in working like the the social class that i was working i was belonged to for generations and you know the possibilities of study that i had so i like i was a medium uh, a middle middle class, comfortable yeah. middle class in Mexico in the 2000s. And that is really nice. Mm -hmm. It was really like, there was no need to run away. Uh, but I, I couldn't see the future that I had here at that there. moment. Yeah. yeah. I, see. I, I can, I can probably see it now. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, I mean, what, 16 years later, yeah, things are kind of different. So there was a six month program. You, for you to stay, what kind of stipulations are there or at that time to stay in the States? I, I sent slides <laughs> <laughs> no, and I took them with my camera. I did not have anything professional. I took them outside with the sun, just making nice. Uh, I, I was one of those kids that was um, on a coffee shop seven days a week after school. Mm -hmm drawing and making watercolors and painting and hustling and selling them and anything, you know, yeah. it was, was one of those things. Uh, so that was my entry pass for uh, the Fabric Workshop Museum. I was, I believe I was the first Mexican that they have accepted in the program. I was uh, adopted immediately by the uh, a few of the ladies that run the program. Uh, mm -hmm. 
I came in with a hundred dollars in my wallet and I drank them uh, probably a week before where the program really, really started. <laughs> so that was that. Uh, and it was, it was very interesting just to, you know, the thing is when, when you come from a country that, you know, you live in a, in a way that is never, it's never opulence, you know, mm -hmm. it was comfortable, but it was never opulence. There was always a certain grade of like, oof, we're tight, but never to the way that it will choke you. So yeah, being, being tight in the States means very different to being tight in Mexico City, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you have, you know, three or four ladies taking care of you in such a, you know, motherly way, because they were like, how oh, you came here with no money. What are you going to do? And I was like, <laughs> fine. Like I, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, I end up, you know, uh, working in a catering, uh, company, uh, three days a week and making more money than I have ever made because, wow. you know, it's, it's cash and, you know, it's $300 a night and, mm -hmm. you know, end of the month, you have $1,200 that I, I don't see, I didn't see that in Mexico in any way or point. Uh, but it was, it was just an evolution of, I think I have very good luck. That is, that is the, the one thing that I have to admit in many things. I'm, I'm a good person. I do good things. And therefore, I don't think my karma has much stain. And, that, and that works fine. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I, I like that you say that because our opportunity to help in this time more than any other time I've experienced in my life is, is massive. And I feel like for all the good that you do, it may, you know, you may think it comes back into fortune for you, but, but I think luck is a really good term for it because I think being in the right place in the right time, I think that's karmic as well. A lot of people would leave it to chance, but I think it, it's a life paved in, in doing good for others, you know, just being able to help them. You know, you're saying something interesting, like buying, you know, a, a $60 painting, Mm -hmm. It's not like you're buying 500, 600, $3,000. No, $60. That $60 will make that difference for your friend that night. Yeah. He's right. not going to be thinking like, oh man, maybe oh, oh, that will be the difference of paying the rent in full or not. Mm -hmm. A few of those. Or, you know, it will be like, okay, this, this is something that is working. I can maintain, you know, making smaller paintings and, and make a few of them. And then it will, like, just giving somebody else hope, man, is right now is i see it is 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 pretty it's vital it's pretty yeah. blue you know yeah. you have to do that so the chapter because i think you met your wife in philly is yeah. that right and you know in the winds of young love and all of that you both decided to move to new york i don't even have to ask why now knowing your background in art and talking about chelsea and stuff so getting in, into New York, the both of you, was got, that what I you got, expected? No, I got here first. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. So the plan was going back to Philly. Yeah. That's where, you know, that's where I built, you know, in very, in very little time, but that's where I, I built friendships and what, that's what I have the support system that I was done. It was gonna, it's gonna be the beginning of this new life. That was the fabric workshop. And, you know, I'm, Sabrina says that I'm the million, million idea man in the mornings. And, <laughs> and, and I have a, a few millions of those ideas for the fabric workshop to revolutionize and become a, a bigger institution and all that kind yeah. of jazz. Uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so I go back to Mexico and this is, you know, early 2004, five, in 2005. And I start sending, Oh, by the way, you know, internet, as we know, it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. So there's no like finding a job right away through LinkedIn or things like that. That didn't exist. So Craigslist from uh, New York, Pennsylvania and Boston were my best friends. <laughs> Me from Mexico City typing, you know, finding creative jobs. And I was very lucky again to find somebody in New York, in Brooklyn. And it was a... a um, a newer company called Navy neighborhood is, I don't know if they're still around and, um, a very gentle, very nice man, Michael Desires gave me the opportunity to come. And, uh, he did kind of the same apprenticeship that, uh, the fabric workshop, because that's oh. how I pitch it. But like, if you pay, if you pay for my rent, I work for free. Nice. Because I, I, you know, the thing is I, I didn't have 
the legal status to just come and work. That doesn't work. Like that is not how it works. And so mm -hmm. it has to be some, some, some sort of like uh, work study situation. So I came in and by probably month two, I was uh, the production manager of the facility because, you know, I, I knew my thing or two around production and, and printing and design and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I recruited another five Mexicans and, you know, that worked better. And then, you know, things just evolved through that. Uh, I was still on the work study situation. So it wasn't yet there. Uh, stars, you know, Sabrina was part of my life. Her family embraced me in a way that I have never felt before. So mm -hmm. the fact that I'm here is because my family here, my Sabrina's family here, the Lazar family here was everything and anything but inclusive. Yeah. Everything, everything that I needed, you know, I will receive a box of uh, tuna and so, uh, soups and, you know, and anything that he was being able to send through a box. Uh, I will receive, you know, linens and uh pillowcases and like dumb shit that you never think about it but it's like yeah. you don't have them so you need to make house somehow and this family made it possible to the point that you know when when we were starting looking for lawyers i was looking for lawyers because like this is it i'm, I'm staying here some way or form i'm not gonna do the stupid thing of overseeing my visa that mm -hmm. is not who i am like and i don't have i don't have the necessity for that and I, I was able to go if i needed to i was probably able to go back and forward a few times but i didn't want to do that either like why playing that dumb game of like just do your homework and figure it out and that's what it took you know we we went through it was the third month that i was in the states and i was like we need to figure out what needs to happen and you know in that point you know the just just trying to figure out what legally you can do is a nightmare okay. i have no idea and then, you know, through the help with my father-in-law, uh, Claude, so like there's three lawyers that I have, you know, somebody tell me that you can talk. So I talk to the three, we find one, uh, and he sponsored me. Oh, wow. Sabrina, Sabrina didn't have the money to sponsor me. So we got married and the sponsor was through my father-in-law that then got audited uh, the month later after we got married. <laughs> That's that's how our system works, you know. Like, oh, oh, what a lovely! You're gonna help somebody. Let's let's see if you have some dirt. You know, hopefully, and nothing was. You know, he didn't have absolutely anything to be fear around. But you know, it was just interesting that it, like you're sponsoring somebody that is in love with your daughter, and yeah. then you get hit with like a little taxman uh, visit just to see just to see if you were real. Okay. Yeah, it's, just, it's, just, fascinating. <laughs> it's a strange thing. It's always kind of like, it's got to be good and bad. It has to be bittersweet. It can't just be sweet, right? Which is an interesting thing because, of course, things can be pure and they can be filled with love and they can be happy, you know. But speaking of how important this relationship and the marriage has been to you, you know, there's two distinct projects that I know of you both working on together. Mm -hmm. You've got Tuyo and then you have the Hey Agave yeah. You know, as a, a strong, probably opinionated artist, how does that dynamic work collaborating with the person that you're married to? Well, Sabrina is the boss. <laughs> That's a simple answer. I don't, I don't need to look too much into it. Uh, we collaborate very well. Uh, we headbutt strongly and then resolve as mm -hmm. anything else that has happened. She has the most amazing quality of organization and, and research. Uh, Sabrina should be a deep dive researcher in any, any field. It doesn't really matter. Uh, she works for a artist for the last probably eight years, uh, creating all kinds of, uh, her work is, is the studio manager of this specific artist, but they do very math oriented work. Mm. So, quilting but with the spreadsheets of location and random numbers like it's, it's it's almost like a math scientist stuff yeah uh, uh when you see it in paper like you see these spreadsheets of numbers that allows the, the location of each of the pieces and the, 
if it turns in a certain amount of angles, if we, if it is going to be headbutting with another P, like it's, it's very, very strange. But what I'm trying to say is that she has that kind of brain. I see. Uh, she is good organizing and good uh, brainstorming. So when I'm able to just open the floods and all the ideas comes out, she is, she is my filter in many ways of what works and what doesn't. But the other way around, I let I'm help her to get unstuck when she is like, this is the only way. And I'm like, there's no way that this is the only way. Like, there's, there's at least another five ways of doing something like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and just balance is, is, is pure balance. Uh, she has a background on sculpture, uh, fine, uh, fine art. And she is probably one of the most amazing persons that I know with volume. Mm. You can understand volume in, in a very specific way. And that, you know, that, that works in everything that we do, especially uh, product design wise. Uh, uh, how, how this is, you know, from start to finish, how we, we trace and do things. Uh, we have another, we have another friend that does a lot of work with us. Um, and he uh, he does a lot of the three D rendering. Um, I see. So, see. but 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 it's, it's, it's the two year the two year situation is mostly Sabrina and I. Um, and two year came out kind of like an experiment, man, because it, it wasn't. I was full time in advertisement for the past decade. Mm -hmm. uh, I will call it building companies because I end up building three companies for the group that I work with. Um, when I say building is from scratch, yep. you know, procedures, producers, uh, who are we working with, uh, how are we going to sell it? And like all the internal design that requires a company to make it work. Right. Uh, well, so yeah, so all of this mix, it's funny because sometimes when I, I'm interviewing people, maybe the road doesn't make sense. Like we're here now and how the hell did you get here? But no, all of this makes perfect sense. But the and then we, have, we haven't talked about 2008. I was here. You yeah. know, I, I'm here, 2008. I got this job and we were getting together. Um, I marry Sabrina and the month after we get married, I get fired because there's no more work. Oh, oh 2008. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So start, start, starting from there, it becomes a very, 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 very interesting pattern of like, I don't have my papers in full. I apply to everything and anything that I can. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the legal limbo of my status is there, limbo. Yeah. And then I was able to work in three amazing old school uh, print garbage uh, sales screen studios that they still they're the they're all dinosaurs in in brooklyn that they yeah. still do table printing and then right after that uh, i start because uh, there was nothing a good friend of ours through sabrina's work connect me with another friend that became my boss and i was a preschool teacher for seven years that's a long so, chunk, chunk of time. I mean, did you ever think you were going to be teaching and out of the I, studio? I had my master's in education through that. When did, did you finish it up in Mexico City then? It was, it was one the first online program that the university that I went. Oh, okay. And because we were the first, like the first batch of kids that came out of that, that university, they're like, hey, you have the, we want to offer you a 60% discount since this is the first time that we offer this. So mm. uh, that was something that I could not let pass and education is worth every penny, no matter what it is. And uh, this was on education. So a lot of the structure and a lot of the way that I work in advertisement was understanding that you were teaching mm -hmm. something. Oh, yeah. You were selling, but you were teaching. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty interesting to just have uh, that background with advertisement and with art. Uh, well, so, so, okay. So you, we've got some art. We've and got, then you have, yeah. And then we've got the teaching and then we have 
the new role now with Buo, but I do want to talk about Hey Hey Agave real quick. Your love of agave, because this podcast has been hyper focused on on Mexico, which is great, and mezcal and agave. Did your love of which happened first, your love of agave, or did you find it in the fact that you were interviewing all these personalities in that field? We, my 10 year anniversary with Sabrina, uh, I asked her that we needed to do something special. And, you know, we, we have been going to Mexico City and visiting family, but it was, it was, it was not the Mexico that I wanted to show her. Mm-hmm. There's so much more. And I was like, we need, we need to, we need to go to Oaxaca. Like that's, that's it. Like we have many choices, but you see that it was either Oaxaca or San Cristobal de las Casas mm. in Chiapas. Like that, those were the two things. Like, because I knew that if we go north towards my family, it will end up being just family related again. And, and it's fine, but I, I needed her to see the other side uh, of Mexico, the one that I love and miss. And so we end up in Oaxaca. We had my parents for the first week and we stayed, we stayed, they, we stayed, we stayed in Oaxaca for almost three weeks. And after my parents left, we spent pretty much every other night in situ. Mm-hmm. And we built a beautiful relationship uh, with Sandra and Ulises, mostly Sandra, but at, at the time, uh, but it was, it was that. And, you know, starting from scratch, uh, I was not a mezcal drinker, not because I didn't want to, just because it wasn't something that you do in Mexico in the time that I lived there. Mm-hmm. You, bring, you drink rum and coats and you have whiskey if you have money and maybe brandy if you're kind of like faking it fancy. And, and that was it, you know, vodka, rum, whiskey. Uh, tequila was happening in front of me because my neighbor was from Jalisco, so I was... I had access to, you know, plastic jugs of tequila, mm. not nothing bought. Uh, so that was my love for that. But it was a, it was a very specific situation. I will have, it will be just with my neighbor. It wasn't social. Yeah. Uh, at least not for me. Uh, and then when we come to Oaxaca, I had these vague memories of tasting mezcal in high school, uh, because we went to Oaxaca when, when I was in the last couple of years of high school, uh, as a history trip that marked very much my way of thinking also that it was kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, as soon as I try it, it was like this, this marvelous, you know, this incredible, this tape, the texture, the flavors, the stories, the, you know, unlimited amount of information that nobody, at least at that point, when we came back and we came back with seven bottles of mezcal each, and that lasted probably the first year. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. And then we, that, that was the beginning of two years. Like, you know, what we're drinking in this clay copitas we didn't like. We're drinking on the core copitas we didn't like. We have these glass copitas that they were the right shape of her too little. Mm-hmm. And they were the right material, but they were, you know, an ounce and a half. So it didn't really work. It was kind of clumsy and difficult to grab. Um, they still make them in Oaxaca. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a, I believe it's a fairly famous glass blower that does a lot of different kind of uh, bases for mezcal, and we end up. Sabrina was end up working with the artist that she she worked with in a project with porcelain for the last couple of months, and I was like, is that is that clay? Like, how does that work? And just start talking, 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 and. You know, it's high temperature, it's almost glass, mm-hmm. uh, completely inert, it doesn't change flavors, it doesn't absorb anything. I'm like, what are you talking? This is perfect. <laughs> like, do you think Michiko can do a copita for us? Yeah, and, and this was just for us. It yeah, was not right. even with the thought of doing a business with it. And she's like, Do you have a shape in mind? And I was like, Well, we can, you know, start doing a few prototypes and that was it. Wow. But that was the that was the beginning of to you was a looking for a solution that and we look everywhere in 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 the ceramic world but i was like i don't want glaze i don't want to chip i don't mm-hmm. want it to like you know you spend you know healthy amount of money because you know artists in artists in the states cost is different than artists in mexico oh yeah and and it's just a different it's a just a different way of, of approaching uh, product and i was like we can do this so 
we prototype probably four or five different sizes. Uh, shrinkage was uh, one of those crazy stuff. Like you start looking around and it's like it shrink like 15 and then 20 and 25, depending what we were using, mm -hmm. uh, end up shrinking a lot. So, you know, the copita at the beginning looks like a ball mm -hmm. and then it shrinks down massively. Uh, wow. You have a logo that is an inch, it ends up being, you know, super tiny, all kinds of very interesting things that just understanding material but it, it became very obvious that there was no information for us here. Right. So sure, we're making something very cool, but then where is the mezcal information? Like we're drinking this amazing thing. I have to call Sandra every other week. Mm -hmm. Hey, what, what do you say about this? How does this work? Like all my information was basically just calling her on the phone and having this, you know, one hour chats that we still do. Uh, and and it's, it became the, the obvious reason that we needed to do more research. The, we have friends here that they were part of the mezcal world. I was not neither in the restaurant, neither in the mezcal, neither in the booth. I was in the advertisement and uh, printing world. So yeah. all this, you know, my, my crew of people were not really part of the Mexican scene either. Mm -hmm. Like I, I kept myself a little bit up distance, uh, just preference. Uh, drama free uh, in many ways yes drama free drama free in many ways so I, I kept my distance but then you know through Mezcal I, I actually reconnected with a very much mes Mexican side of me because mm -hmm. I, was, I, was, I was doing what every what a lot of very intense thoughts happen when you come to another country. You want to simulate, you want to understand, you know, you want to kind of lose your accent, your accent a little bit, you're trying to, um, you know, write better, read better, all these kind of things. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what it happens when you're with your people, like nobody speaks fucking English. Like yeah. it's, <laughs> everybody's like, it's, it's in a Spanish mode. And, and, and now like, I, I need to, I need to clean my act in order to feel more comfortable around. There was, there was the, the, constant like what? what what are you saying what's that because mm -hmm. they didn't understand what i was saying and it was highly frustrating uh special for somebody that speaks a lot uh so you know it was it was interesting to just reconnect with that so oaxaca sandra ulises uh, we started talking and the first i think the first person that we had in the podcast was either tess or dave let me see Yeah, Tess. So Tess was one of those things that we, we opened uh, to you and she, she's been in the industry mm -hmm. more than anybody else that I know, same as Dave later and probably Justin. And those, this through, through these three people was the immediate connection with the Mezcal community. Tess, Tess has been uh, um, a pillar for our connection and, mm. and communication with everybody. So she has been in a bunch of Hey, hey, Agave, but starting with the first one that it was just, hey, there's no information that we know. Uh, there was, there was, we probably were like the second or third podcast that it was in the system talking mm -hmm. about this. Uh, we were the first one in New York for sure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, the big benefit is that, you know, you have a lot of, um, you'll have a lot of producers and owners and people in the mezcal industry to come to New York to connect with the distributors. Right. So at that point, it was like, well, you're here and we start doing this live, the same way that you were doing Show the Beat, that it was only live sitting in my house, bring your mezcal, let's have good time yeah. uh, and let's connect. That was the thing. It was not much of the interview, uh, not on my side. Sabrina, as you said, she is the one who put together most of the question uh, the theme, the thematic, if we wanted to have one, mm -hmm. uh, the pre-interviews, the, you know, for each one of the things that you will see in Hey, Hey, Agave, there's a ton of photo. So that's my job. I yeah, do yeah. the photo research, retouch, organization, uh, storytelling, and Sabrina will do the other side that is like the writing, the questionnaires, uh, the pre-interview, we do it together, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's following certain um, topics that she do. Uh, 
but that's that's it like she is like my the the creative design on the edit and 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 writing part and i'm the image person on this on the that same that's in creative team. Again, yeah, again, you're talking balance, you know, that's a really good skill set to be offset and you you have your own yeah. talent. So again, this path makes a lot of sense. Meeting people in the Mezcal world, you've got a good hand, a good hand on the pulse of design. And so this latest chapter is in where I've met you is through El Buo, which I wanted to thank you and Red for kind of coming into our homes here in Texas. And I, I'd consider it a launch, a beautiful launch where people love the mezcal. But tell me kind of how you fell into that opportunity. It was Hey Hey Agave. Yeah. Straight on. You know, uh, Farron was in town. She just visited. Uh, she just visited. She, she was, Farron was friends with TJ and Red before us. I knew TJ and Ray through Panorama Mezcal and hearing about Clara a little bit, but not much. I actually thought that it was an industrial mezcal. Oh, really? Uh, just because the bottle didn't say artisanal anywhere. Mm -hmm. And what do we know about you know, bottles that don't say artisanal? Is because A, probably they can by law. Yeah. They omit that because if you can, you use it because you're paying for it in certain ways through certification and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So that was kind of weird. And then Farron mentioned like, hey, producers from Santiago Matatlan for Blue Mezcal are in town. I just interviewed Betty um, from the Jimenez Mendes uh, family. She's one of, you know, she's a mezcalera from the family. Mm -hmm. And we have been talking about like the lack of women in the interviews and that is just, you know, sausage fest and all that kind of like, Hey, Hey, I got a part like that. We wanted to include more girls and, and people that matter and people that have a voice and have yeah. a feminine voice and you know, all that jazz. Totally. Agree. Yeah. And this, and this all makes sense. So sure, sure, sure. We have them here. The only problem is that they don't speak English. So I know like, okay, like, I'm sure we can do something translated. Uh, it's not. It's complicated. It's very difficult. It's and, very difficult. <laughs> but, but the difficult part is not that the translation. The translation is easy. Right. That, it, that the actual information comes across as what they're trying or intending to say. That's nearly impossible. I haven't yet figured. We haven't cracked it down. So that's why... That's why we don't have Sandra. That's why we don't have Ulysses. That's why we don't have, uh, you know, we have this uh, pre-interview with Quish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're beautiful people that they have so much important things to say, but I don't want to misrepresent any of this. And I'd yeah, rather not interview them. You're, you're, you're than, right. I know you mentioned this in our tasting too. And do you have any plans to, to get those out in some form? Non-translated. Not sure. Okay. Not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, it has to be done right. Otherwise, I'm I'm not interested in doing yeah. half hour. Uh, but with that, uh, we met TJ in a more formal way. We talked for hours. I met the family. Uh, talked to Pepe. Talked to Betty. Talked to TJ. Talked to Redford. Everybody sitting in the house. We're drinking mezcal. Uh, we have beautiful audio recorded. Uh, I met them. They met me. End of day. Thank you so much. We will see you later. Um, and probably a couple of months later as we are um, at Claro with Tess and, um, and Farron and have a beautiful afternoon with TJ and everybody. Uh, and that was it. it. It stayed there. You know, that was, that was the end of that, that first encounter relationship uh, where we, we, we knew each other now. It's not that I, I, I can walk to, to Clara and, you know, hug my friend TJ and say, how are you doing, brother? Right, got it. What's going on? And, and just start from there. And then uh, I had a very, 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 very voluptuous uh, uh, 2019, 2018, 2019, the end of, the, the end of 2018 was horrendous uh, work-wise. I was in a, in a very toxic work relationship and mm -hmm. needed to get out it was it was there was no way of fixing or nothing and 
you know, it was 10 years of my life. I thought that was the place that I was going to get old and, you know, do more things and create more companies. And uh, I designed a full line of eyewear. Mm-hmm. I, you name it, I did it. It was, it was fascinating. Like the, 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 pro- the professional growth in those 10 years was incredible, but I left not too happy and that was it. You know, I needed to reinvent and there's, there's no need to, if you don't have anything nice to say, just, just stay on that sure. line. Yeah. You know, that's it. And, and then that full year, 2019 was pushing to you, uh, finishing all the photos, uh, reinventing the voice. That's the push that you will see on, Hey, Hey, I got it. That we were pushing one every, every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, well done, well designed, well interviewed all the photos, like the photo documentation that we have on the page right now is insane. Yeah, it looks great. And, and, and the idea that people can come and, and research and it's, you know, it's SEO friendly yep. and it will pop out if you're putting Elisandro, it will pop out if you put Scott Rosenman, it will pop out if you put, I don't know, Ryan, Ryan from uh, Ryan Toll, mm-hmm. uh, Salvador from you know Luna. Luna. so we we have all the top dogs that are in the market and they they're here in a very human way that i love it you know it's like they're telling us their story uh their notes behind it and what who they are and, and that was it you know that was the special growth and and then end of 2019 happens i was looking for another job i got in a interview process of October, November, December, January, January mm-hmm. with Vice. I was, I, was oh, applying, nice. I was applying for a very, very, very interesting job at Vice. Um, I met fantastic people through the interviews. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, but that didn't, didn't, you know, gelatin out. It, did, it, it didn't finish. Uh, economy starting to get shifty. Uh, coronavirus was very much present by January. Things were very strange. Uh, nothing drastic yet. Mm-hmm. And the interview, you know, process lasted too long and I needed a job. I was like, this is, you know, two years working, but it's not, we're not making the millions of dollars that you require. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. the thousands. Like it's, it's, a, it's a work in process. Two years a company that is growing and is really, really amazing but it's not a full-time job right? yet. Hopefully one day it will do something like that. Uh, so I, I, I start looking around and in December, I get an email from Redford like, Hey man, uh, thinking about you, uh, just checking on the podcast, how you guys are doing. Uh, TJ mentioned that if you're not working anywhere, we should talk. And I was like, listen, you know, information in front of us, uh, you know, being transparent. I've been in an interview process since October. I really, really want this job, but you're making me triple guess right now because I love the fucking, the idea of being able to work with you guys. Yeah. Uh, it was just, it's a no brainer period. Like I will say, if, if I didn't have anything in that moment, I will say yes. And like, give me some time. Uh, give me at the end of February, uh, end of uh, January. And, and we talk. And that was it, you know, by probably January 27, 28, like I'm in, let's talk, let's do some numbers and see how, how we can make this happen. And, uh, yeah, the first interview, formal interview was at Loncheria, uh, drinking a little mezcal with Oscar. We just mm-hmm. got a bottle from in situ in the mail. Uh, and four hours later, they're like, sure, this is what we're going to do. And then COVID hits. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> so that that was incredible because uh, there was there was obviously obviously there was very very nervous times of all of us just trying to figure out what we were gonna do. Uh, I don't think Red knew in full what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. I kind of explained it a little bit, but I can do a lot of a very. I can do a lot of very different things well, and I, I know that I can do a few different things very well, and that is advertisement, photography, design, aesthetic, creating mm-hmm. a voice, creating a narrative. Like, 
I, I was the creative studio at the agency. Right. Well, so then they, you know, they, they hire a powerhouse of all these things. How are you feeling about, cause COVID stopped it. But again, I'll go back and say we had a really successful tasting where a lot of people are really into Buo in Texas now. I mean, do you feel like you're able to make progress given almost everything's against you? You know what? Uh, Nothing was against us. Like there was nothing that I said, oh, fuck it, we can't do it. No. Yeah. Like we, we, we redesigned, you, you saw the material. I, you yeah, know, it looks it, great. There's a book that is really nice. Uh, that, that is part of, of uh, the Oaxaca team developed a lot of, a lot of the content from them, Lorena. Uh, we re-edited and redesigned and, you know, all the, all the, the, the branding comes through collaboration with the team uh i something that i have to say like and and you you heard probably the sentiment of this is a family business uh but it's a family business here too yep so all my all my things that all the things that i do and for the first time in in a decade because that was one of the the heartaches that i have in the other work that i have uh, it was always by this is what it has to be done yeah it was never a, hey, let's talk about it. I have a better idea. Let's collaborate. No, there was, there was a, a single hand saying, this is what it needs to happen. And that was, that was it. So the creative process pretty much vanished with that kind of thinking. And with Buo is completely the opposite. I have a wider network of very, very interesting thinkers. Mm-hmm. I have a Redford that can see patterns probably on, on, on the numbers and the business and the production and and the the other more ethereal side of of boom money wise but he can also relate to the family and the love that this happens right then you have you know you have a tj that has this almost like uh, spider-man sense of like taste and 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 flavors and just chemistry and alchemy of and an aesthetic that is very particular to him, you know, like mm. he's a '90s baby too. And, you know, you, you have this, this, you know, the Gremlins or like you know uh, the the comics and and all this kind of like very specific uh, aesthetic mm-hmm. that that he was there. And and then you have me that I'm also kind of like that. You know, I, I love comic books, love graffiti, love street art, and all that. Like the in between the three of us when we're talking and putting something together. But then you have Buo right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great fusion of things. You know, one of the things that there's two more questions I want to ask you, one of which is is easy one, but I, I do, because I think we've come a long way, you and I, in terms of our relationship and how we understand each other in this industry. But I know, and I, I, not to revisit this, but I know there, there were like allegations of certain things with Ulysses, which has been talked to death and all of that. And I know we disagreed on it, and even to the point where I wanted to get on the phone and understand who we are as people, you know. But why I say that is you said something in one of the tastings that I found particularly helpful. And I keep seeing territorialism and ownership, but then kind of blocking people in the States from having, you know, a lot of discussion about Mezcal and who, whose is it really. But you said something to the effect that it's ours if we choose to work together. And I, I, this goes back to you talking about karma and stuff, but do you feel like it's getting a little contentious? It's business, man. Yeah. You know, that's it. When we talk about this, we're not talking about Muscat. We're talking about dollar signs and and products and distribution Mm. and eyes on bottles. And, but the reality, the reality can be very different when you start seeing certain patterns of certain things appearing or disappearing or talk or not talk. So that's, that's what I was, I was that, you know, the phrase that I'm telling you is, is togetherness. Like the, the other way, the other way doesn't really work because yeah. it creates that. And, and the other thing is like, just, you know, we, we are in a very specific time, at least in the States, understanding uh, privilege, mm. understanding whiteness, and understanding all these things that that was that was not conversation for anybody a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, 
you don't you don't have to go that far. You can have this that same conversations, or at least the same ideas with culture and other countries. You know, like we we have we have the bigger chunk of the market. It's obvious. Just, yeah. It's not a question. It's, it's actually a fact. The most miscalled sale outside Mexico is here. Yeah, exactly. And therefore, yes, there is a voice, but there's also the possibility of the abuse of the voice. Great, great point. Well, and so to, to kind of tie this with a little bow, why I think it was important to mention it is because we got on the phone and we talked it out. We didn't continue oh. to, to, to argue, you know what I mean? Like that was the main the main thing is that we just came to just realize we're both people that love this thing and we needed to talk about it together. And, and you know, the, the, the important thing also, and I have learned after being in a place that there was no, there was never an option. It was always a, 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 a authoritarian yes or a authoritarian no. Mm-hmm. And that created a lot of, unbreakable not unbreakable that created a lot of stops where they were not needed Mm. but they also created a lot of reactions that they were not needed and what happened probably in in many of these discussions that we have seen over you know the internet on social media on you know they're reactive and they're reactive in a way that we're not used to it you know so in things like this is 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 kind of like where where is this coming from what what, what are you going to achieve with that yeah because yeah. what we achieve what we achieved in a phone call was that we might agree on disagree in a few things because that's that's pretty much a, a a healthy way to understand things that we don't have to think the same way we have different approaches and different stories with different people Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, it's very interesting to see that you can actually talk it out instead of just being on one side. You know? Yeah, it's, it was vitally important. And I think it's, that would be something that our relationship throughout the years predicates on is getting on the phone and talking because neither one of us are stubborn people. It sounds like, you know, we could get there and we can talk about it and we're very open. But so my last question for you, which is a little bit lighter. Cause I still have a, a bunch of the Buo on my, my nice work desk here that we're, we're filming and shooting from. I've been really going hard on that Tempestat there. I really, really like it. So I want to know for you, you're drinking this Tempestat there anywhere in the world, who might you like to have a drink with living or deceased celebrity artists, anybody. Um, you know, it has been a, it has been a special year, so there's a few people that I have in my mind too fresh because I'm no longer going to be able to see them. But I think the one person that I know we relate in such a deep, deep, deep way is my great-grandmother. And I never had the opportunity to know more from her. And I know I, I will if I had the opportunity um, yeah. with her. Yeah, that's it's a mother. It's my abuelita, my abuelita Panchita. Well, cheers to that. And it's been good getting to know you more, getting to hear this story. And when I'm in New York next, God only knows when that will be. And when you're in Austin next, whenever that may be, uh, we will definitely enjoy a mezcalito or two. So, Gabriel, it's been good chatting with you, mate. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, brother. I will talk to you soon. Well, there we have it, Gabriel of El Buo Tuyo, Hey Hey Agave podcast. There's so many things that he's got his hands in. I'm kind of wondering what he doesn't do, you know, and he does all this beautiful design work as well. And I would say one thing is that there was a few months back during this pandemic, everybody's like super hyper-focused on every detail and disagreeing with each other. So I get that, but there was this, you know, Virgilio thing, Ulysses from in situ, and some you know, batches of mezcal that there's a lot of arguments about. But bottom line was that there was a ring of which people were in one corner or the other of the ring. And Facebook didn't help that conversation. Facebook distanced us further. And to get on the phone and actually chat with Gabriel about his feelings and some things that he'd called me and some things that I'd criticized, it was good. It was a very healing thing. So I guess 
The point is, if you have the opportunity to get on the phone with someone, even if you don't know them, but to attain clarity, to attain a better understanding where that person's coming from, that is a vital skill to exercise, especially now because it's much easier to double tap on your phone and bitch at somebody on Facebook. And I know this. This is stuff you hear all the time. But Gabrielle, it's great to talk to you about your life, and I love the projects that you're working on. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many times you've watched House on Amazon Prime, I suppose this is the third time. Or if you're thinking, man, Tim Roth, I'd love to get a whiskey with that guy. Please keep dancing.